Hello and welcome to the EMG Gold podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Gore, CEO of EMG Health. And today I'm joined by a very special guest, Olympic rower and gold medalist, turned leadership and teamwork specialist, Ben Hunt-Davis. Now, Ben competed with Britain's Olympic rowing team for a number of years. In 2000, the team famously took gold at the Sydney Olympics, the first British crew to have won at this event since 1912. Um, after achieving such highs in professional sport as well as an MBE, he went on to found his own performance consultancy, Will It Make the Boat Go Faster? He's also co-authored a book by the same name. In this interview, Ben and I discuss um, things like wanting to win and the hard work that goes into it, but that motivation alone isn't enough. Uh, we look at how important it is to be proactive. Uh, we look at the concept of making sure you aren't helping people to lose by doing and saying nothing, but also the need to have bullshit filters in place, even for close family members. Uh, and finally, we look at the importance of reviews and the fact that annual reviews are a complete waste of time. It's a fascinating episode, so let's dive straight in. Um, so I wanted to start off, um, we'll go back to, to the early days in sport. And, and when you were first training with the national team, you weren't earning an income from the sport, despite you know that pretty gruelling seven days a week training schedule that I guess was just pretty much pure hard work. What kind of sacrifices sacrifices, sorry, did you have to make and what kept you focused on that goal? And, and, and was that you know, the early days of having that BHAG formed already? So, so Spencer, I, I mean, I think when I first got into the national team, I got in because I just loved racing. I absolutely yeah. loved racing. And I, as a schoolboy, I'd done pretty well. I'd won a whole load of stuff and it was fun. And, and that's what I wanted to do. And I wanted to, um, I'd raced at a junior international level and I hadn't won and I was gutted and I wanted to, you know, try, try and win the next thing. I raced at an under 23 level where I didn't win and I was gutted. So then the next thing <laughs> after that, was going to be about going to the national team. And I, I so I, I got in it just wanting to win. Um, I wasn't necessarily as focused on the kind of overall goal and as ruthless around as I perhaps could have been or should have been, but I def definitely wanted to win. And in terms of the sacrifices, I'm not sure how many sacrifices I really made because I, I mean, I had a chance of going out and, you know, going out to the pub and getting pissed with some friends, or I could you know, go to bed early and make sure I was ready to do what I really wanted to do the next day. And there were lots of weddings I missed, lots of nights out I, I missed out on. There were lots of people I lost contact with. But I don't know whether it was a sacrifice or whether I was just doing what I wanted to do. Yeah. So, I mean, there was potentially a cost, but I don't think it was a sacrifice. Yeah, I, it's, it's fascinating to hear you say that because, you know, I, I had not, not that I was ever going to be an elite athlete, but, you know, we, we've all had those choices. Do you go to the pub on a, on a, on a, you know, on a school night or do, or do, you, get, do you go to bed early because you've got work the next day? And, and yeah. a lot of people will go to the pub. Um, you know, I think it takes a certain sort of mindset and, a, and, and real clear goals or, or, or having that sort of Simon Sinek real why you know you you really love doing something that's why you do it and did, did you have any ideas of, of sort of a, a, a you know Olympic hopes at that stage do you think yeah so after the under 23 after I went went to under 23s um I the following year was Olympic year uh the year of the Barcelona Olympics and I pretty quickly that season probably six or eight weeks into the season I worked out I had a pretty good chance and actually the the British head coach said to me you've got a chance of going to the Olympics. Do you want to study or do you want to go to the Olympics? What do you want to do? 
Um, so, uh, and thankfully, I mean, I had a whole lot of coursework to hand in, so I didn't have to do that. So that was great. And I, <laughs> I kind of made the choice, you know, I just wanted to race. And I, and it was, I almost then found myself being a, a full-time athlete. It's not something I'd necessarily planned on, but just yeah. one training session, one race led to the next training session and the next race. And that's, that's just what I was focused on. Yeah, brilliant. And and, and so so yeah, you, obviously in those days there wasn't the lottery funding in the same way there is now. And I, I remember uh, hearing a story that you, you I think you talk about in your book. Will it make the boat go faster? That uh, you famously took your boat into one of the city offices to help with some fundraising. So, so what made you do something like that? That's pretty pretty big sort of thinking out of the box type thinking. Yeah, it's a pretty unusual plan. Something that most people wouldn't do. It's pretty different. What 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 made you do that? So so throughout so so the, so, so the early time I was on the national team, there was no funding, and I got by working in a bingo hall, cleaning swimming pools, doing various different odd jobs. By the time we actually did this fundraising stunt in in Lloyd's of London, um, we were we did have funding from the national lottery, but we wanted. Uh, we had a, an assistant coach working with us who wasn't paid for. We had some extra training camps we wanted to do that weren't paid for. We damaged our boat and we needed to get another boat. So there were some other costs. And we just um, – it was kind of very clear. If we wanted the best possible chance of winning, we needed to spend more money. And the National yeah. Lottery and British Rowing weren't going to give us more money. So we had to find a different way. And we, we did all sorts of different things. We wrote letters to all sorts of different things. And you know, I wrote to Bernie Eccleston totally out of the blue. And he sent a check for five grand. Yeah, and, and there were a number of people who did that, which was fantastic. Yeah. And we were still short. And somebody knew somebody who worked at, in insurance in Lloyds of London – and somehow we came up with a plan that we would do a fundraising evening there. We spent half the afternoon rattling buckets outside Lloyds of London as people were leaving and you know, coming and going. And then we actually got, yeah, we got our boat downstairs into the basement, down the escalator. I mean, an eight is 57 feet long. It's quite, <laughs> it, it was, it was, it was quite tricky. Uh, but, but we thought that we needed to have, you know, there are lots of people asking for money. There are lots of, yeah you know we were unknown we were totally unknown and we hadn't frankly done anything of interest up to that point so we we work quite hard on what's the emotional pull that we can give so yeah. that people will part with some of their cash and and making it trying to give people the best understanding of what we were trying to do you know we made a little video and having the boat there so people could actually see what it was like um was just just seemed like the best idea to make it an emotional a an engaging experience so people were more likely to to give us money i i love that it's, it's all that positive mindset and and uh, i heard a story not not long ago from uh walt disney where he he, he famously had a, a yes if mindset so it wasn't just a yes or no but it was a you know can we get another coach can we pay for another coach yes if we raise the money and it's it's having that you know plan to actually go and do it rather than just talking about doing it yeah so I, I think the yes if is quite nice i guess we had a slightly different one it was okay um so you know how do we do that you know if this has gone wrong okay so you know what can we do if you know there was an yeah. obstacle we go okay so if we can't do that what what can we do and we were always looking for what can what can we do about this particular obstacle this challenge this this latest thing and it was kind of i'm not sure whether we saw it as positivity we saw it as pro proactivity yeah. you know what yeah what can we proactively do to make sure we were moving in the direction we wanted to go yeah brilliant um and and 
I mean, you, you've sort of obviously made your name originally as a, a you know an Olympic gold medal winner, but a lot of people might know you now as the "Will it make the boat go faster?" Uh, uh, sort of slogan that you use. And I, I remember again reading the story, and I've seen you speak a few times. You talk about after one of the events that you hadn't won, you, you sat down as a team. I think you talk about being on a on a balcony at a hotel and having a few beers and sort of picking it apart and doing a review. And that's where you came up, if I remember correctly, with the "Will it make the boat go faster?" concept. And it's such a, a simple concept when you look at it like that, but. Yeah, what what was it? Was it was it more about you know you as a bunch of individuals, which is fed up with not winning, or was there some sort of loyalty to the team that you wanted all pull together and and, and win gold medals? So we, um, we 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 we'd done really badly at one of the, at the world championships in 1998, and we came back bitterly disappointed, knowing that you know for for the previous seven years to that, I had. I was incredibly motivated. I, I worked really hard and I lost everything I did. Yeah. And so just kind of motivation, just desire wasn't enough. We actually needed a proper plan. And we spent a fair bit of time as a group um, of probably 12 of us to start with. So those people who had got in the boat, who hadn't got in the boat, uh, a coach, a sports psych, there were kind of probably about 12 of us. And we started having conversations about what do we really want to want to get out of this? And it was very clear we wanted to win. We didn't want to just qualify for the Olympics and come home with a T-shirt with the Olympic rings on. We, we didn't want to be finalists. We actually wanted to win. So we then started being very, very focused about what were the things that we could do so that we could win. And we couldn't control winning. Yeah. Because we couldn't control how fast the Russians, the Germans, the Dutch, the Croatians, or anyone else was going to go. All we could do was control how fast we went. So so we came up with this question, will it make the boat go faster? And the idea was that um, every single discussion and decision, every conversation, every action, every behavior was going to make the boat go faster. And that was, it kind of started off with the 12 of us, but we ended up with a team of about 60 people. And it right. wasn't, will it help me win? Yeah. Uh, because the physio was never going to win. Yeah. It wasn't, it, it was about, you know, making the boat go faster. We needed all 60 people kind of challenging, asking the right questions, um, pushing to improve the whole time, doing performance reviews the whole time so that, because the only way the boat was going to go faster was, is, was if everybody involved was, was being as good as they could be to, and doing whatever they could to make the boat go faster. So, so very much that janitor in the the NASA story, you know, he's trying yeah, to absolutely. on the moon sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 the, the um, one of the guys who looked after our kit, who drove our boats around the world, he yeah, he, he volunteered for British rowing, um, and he gave up a huge amount of his time and energy away from his uh, building business, where he was a kind of one man band builder. He took a huge amount of time off to to help us, and he normally but for the rest of the team was expected to drive the boats look after the kit and not say much whereas we were thinking actually he must have good ideas he's got eyes he's got ears he must have good ideas and if he's seeing us do something that's not quite right we needed him to come and say what i saw was you know this and it just didn't look as good as it could be have you thought about this or i don't know what the answer is but i'm sure there's a better way yeah and that was kind of quite a big step up for him being able to challenge anybody in the group because if he chose not to, if he chose to, to see something that wasn't right and walk past it, he was helping us lose. 
And yeah. what he was going to get out of this was not a medal. It wasn't a bonus. But a, you know, he talked about wanting to tell his grandkids when they were a bit older about something that he was really proud of. Yeah. And, and we tried to make sure that with everyone in the group, we understood why they were doing what they were doing. What was it that, that floated their boat? What was it that motivated them? And how could we give them as much of that as possible? And getting this guy, John, to feel you know, pride in what he was doing and as though he was a, a valuable part of the team. I mean, that was easy for us to do it's, when we thought about it. It was really easy. So that he had a better chance of getting what he wanted and we had a better chance of getting what we wanted. You say that's easy, but the, yeah, the, I, we, we've been doing a lot of work internally on, on building trust in the team. We've got quite a few new members of the team and it's, you know, trust is normally something that comes with time. You know, what makes you trust someone that's volunteering with no necessarily rowing experience? What makes you trust what they say is going to help the boat go faster? So, yeah, so, you know, I said, I kind of, I said, it's easy to give him what he wants of, you know, to feel engaged, but it does take time to build trust. And we worked very proactively on building trust, but we had a whole lot of team rules we set up and kind of ways of working. And we chose the people we wanted to work with. Yeah. And we, the first thing we talked about was how we work together. And what our expectations were of people being part of our team, and expectations were, you know, honesty was was in there, and and you know that wasn't just a little bit of honesty. It meant kind of really saying what you thought and assuming a positive intent. So yeah. if if somebody gave me feedback at any point, what I had to try and do was assume that they were just giving me feedback because they wanted to make the boat go faster. Yeah. And and clearly, sometimes I took it badly. Sometimes I got pissed off, I got upset, I got angry. But then hopefully the next morning I'd wake up and go, okay, so in the cold light of day, what they said, they just said it because they want me to be faster. Yeah. Now And now I've got a choice of going, do I think they're right or not? Is there some truth in what they said or are they just barking up the wrong tree? But And for me to be able to go back to John or whoever it was and say, okay, so what you said yesterday, I didn't react well, I'm sorry about that. And what I think is you know, this, this, and this, and I agree with you because of this, or I'm not sure about that. Can you give me some more information about that? Yeah. And just having a conversation around it. Cause it took John a certain amount of courage to say that I wasn't doing yeah, something yeah. well enough. And so therefore I've got a, I, I've got a, you know, the, the only reason you he would be doing them it. to do it, don't you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, 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 so making people feel good about doing it, encouraging people to do it. And, you know, hopefully the initial reaction is good, but if it is bad, because, you know, we get it wrong sometimes, we're all human, then how do we go back and go, right, okay, I'm sorry about that. And, you know, sometimes it's just a bit hard, And but what you said is, you know, is kind of valid and it can help me do this. And uh, so just having proper conversations. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that's that's fantastic to have that environment and encourage that environment. It's we 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 desperately try and build on that trust and, and have that, and it, it's pretty hard, I guess, for some of the team to come up to me at six foot four and the CEO, um, uh, uh, you know, and, and and tell me that I've done something wrong. But when they're doing it, how tall are you? Six eight, I guess, something like that. No, six six. <laughs> six six. When 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 you're doing it to someone that's six foot six, that's just done a really hard workout, that's absolutely knackered, and it, it must take a lot of guts to do that. So you've really got to have that trust there to be able to do that, haven't you? Yeah, and I think in just and it does take time because some people, you know, in a business environment, are trained not to say anything. They're trained, you know, there are lots of organisations where, you know, people don't actually want feedback. 
They say they do, but they actually they don't really. Yeah. And so sometimes, you know, in my business, in any business, you get people who are trained not to be honest, not to be open. And it takes a bit of time yeah. to get them thinking, you know, maybe this is in fact what's wanted. They're saying it. And actually, I think they believe it. And, and so, you know, my business, I'm constantly working to take feedback as well as possible and discuss it and ask for it and show people that I'm doing stuff to really prove to them that I'm, I'm serious when I say I want feedback. And if people think I can do stuff better, I really, really want to be better at what I do. Therefore, you know, if you choose not to tell me something, you're just, you know, it's, it's, it's not right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you touched on uh, in there about honesty being something that you all had to have as a team. And we have our, our values that we all, we, we, we rank everyone in the company, <clears throat> score them on their values. And there's a league table and um, we, we have stories of what they've done to achieve that score. And they're all scored out of 10 for, for, our, for our values. And one of our values is we want positivity in there. And, and I'm, I'm hoping you're going to confirm my story now because you're, you're, you're an example of our 10 out of 10 for positivity. So I, I remember uh, hearing that, or I think I remember hearing that after you, had, you, you sat down and had that meeting, one of, the, one of the things that you famously came up with was a list of media outlets and individuals that you just wouldn't interact with because there was a lack of positivity and it wasn't helping you um, towards that Olympic goal or not. Now, for, first of all, is, is that the true story? And, and, and then how hard was it to stick to that and, and why do you feel that positivity was so important? Yeah, so we definitely had a – so, so we, we, we talked about having these bullshit filters, about blocking out the stuff that wasn't helpful to us achieving what we want to achieve. And we had various different lists of people and things we didn't want to interact with because they just weren't going to help us go faster. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you know, so so many people listen to, I don't know, the Today program – um, on the car and the way to work or whatever. And, yeah. and it's a really good news program, but how often does it feel leave you feeling uplifted, ready for the day ahead? Yeah. I'm guessing not very often. And and just, you know, we needed to, if we were to win, you know, we, we needed to have a certain mindset. We need to have a certain approach. And we wanted, you know, criticism was great if it was going to help us go faster. But just negativity. There were people around us who were just trying to drag us down the whole time. Yeah. There were people te constantly telling us we couldn't do it. And, you know, a bit of being told you can't do it might make you grit your teeth and try harder. But too much of it, and you just start to believe it. Yeah. And we, you know, if people were coming saying, oh, you're rubbish, you know, this is no good and that's no good, then that wasn't particularly helpful. If somebody was going, you know, this isn't very good and have you thought about that, then we would be absolutely open to it. But just people trying to drag us down, kind of neg us out, it just it wasn't going to make the boat go faster. Therefore, we just shouldn't be engaging with it. And and you know, I had a I had a close family member who who I had a very good I had have a very good relationship <laughs> with. Um but they didn't want me to believe that we could win at the Olympics. Because they had seen me come back from two previous Olympics heartbroken, and they yeah. didn't want to see me in that state. And they knew the amount I was putting into this. And if it didn't work, they thought I'd be heartbroken, and they didn't want to see me like that. So therefore, it was a safer bet for me not to believe that I could do it. Yeah. And so I would talk to this person um, you know, about all sorts of different stuff. And then when they started talking about my chances at the Olympics – 
I'd put on my imaginary ear defender bullshit filters and I would just yeah. be hopefully while smiling and nodding, just be going, la, 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 I am not listening to you. This is totally uninteresting. I'm not engaging yeah. in what you're saying at all because it's just not helpful. And, I love that. <laughs> and it took that a bit some doing to actually listen and, and sorry, not to listen, but to listen and not engage almost, I guess. And, you know, there were some people we just tried to avoid and there were some people who, you know, were close to us who we just had to, when they got onto certain topics, you just go, right, I'm just going to disengage with this, change conversation yeah. or just switch off. Yeah. And, and it does take a bit of discipline, you know, when you're listening to something, when you're having a conversation to go, this is just not helpful anymore because, because positive or negative, I mean, I guess you can view differently. Whereas we, we viewed it going, you know, helpful. Is this yeah. helpful to us achieving our goal? If it's not helpful, then let's just not engage with it. If it is helpful, if someone's being negative about what we're doing, but it's it, we can use it helpfully, then that's fine. If right, it's just yeah. not helpful, let's switch off and not engage. Yeah. Now that's fascinating. Yeah, I, I, I heard uh, someone someone saying about you know, similar to you were saying about the new, the news that you know, don't watch the news because it's just full of bad news. And and I haven't actually watched the news for probably five or six years. I'll read a newspaper, but I'll read the bits that I choose to read. I I read the business part and I read the sports part. And, and that their, their their argument was. If something big enough and important enough is happening in the world, you'll hear about it somehow or another. So don't know worry about, about it. it. But yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, you know, through through most of COVID, you know, on the BBC News app, there were yeah. what, 15 stories or whatever in the main bit. And, and, you know, generally 13 of them would be COVID. And you go, well, how yeah. much of this do I really need to read? I'm trying to run a business. I'm trying yeah. to do all sorts of stuff to move my business, to move my family forward. And just reading all of this stuff, really, yeah. how is it helping me? Yeah. You know, I can probably look at the first story and go, right, I've got it. Now let's yeah. move on to something helpful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, something that's going to, you know, it's, it's been been surrounded by the right people, isn't it? Just in, inspiring yeah. you and lifting you. And yeah, definitely. Uh, on that note, you've you've spoken about the team's um, evidence wall of successes, um, and when you were creating something like that, how do, how do you know, um, or, or how do you um, how do you decide what you're going to put on there and what doesn't go on there? Is, is there some sort of filter again that you know you should be celebrating all successes um or is it just the major ones and you know is, is the purpose of that just to inspire you or to learn from it tell, tell us a bit more about that so kind of yes to, to a lot of what you said so so we so we did um we did performance reviews after every session so performance yeah. review first thing was you know what did what did i do really well what did we do really well second you know, when you say every session, you mean literally every day you'd do that? Uh, so if we were doing four sessions a day, then we'd do it four do times. It four times, right, okay. So we'd go on the water, uh, or we'd sit around a meeting table, or we'd go and you know go onto the rowing machines. And beforehand, we'd be very clear about what are we trying to achieve here, and how yeah. are we going to achieve that? Because just doing the same thing presumably won't help us achieve what we want today, because we actually want to be better than we were last time. So what's the goal for this session? How are we going to do it? And then at the end of the session, you go, right, how do we do what are the bits that worked really well? What didn't work so well? And what are we going to do differently and better next time? And the differently and better next time might be, let's, you know, we did this, you know, bit A really well. So let's just ramp that up even more. Let's keep working on our strengths. Or it might be, you know, thing B was poor and we've got to improve that. Yeah. So I don't know what you're going to do next time, but, you know, what's the thing, you know, work out what it is you're going to do differently and better next time. Yeah. So after every session, we do that. And and very often when people review performance, they just look at what didn't work, which 
if you're constantly criticizing everything you do and going, this isn't good enough, that isn't good enough, and that and that and that aren't good enough, then it can kind of suck the life and energy out of you. So for us, if you're starting off going, okay, what, what are we good at? What worked well? What do we do well? You know, where did I nail it? You've, you're kind of recognizing the steps forward. You're recognizing the progress. So, so that was kind of part of it. Yeah. And then, you know, for us to, for us to win when we hadn't won anything for, I mean, I, nine years on the national team, the very first race I actually, international race I won was 13 weeks before the Olympics, uh, 13 weeks before the Olympics. Um, and, uh, so you got right time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, We we peaked at the, yeah, we did peak at the right time, but, (laughs) but we needed to have a belief when we set out that this was worth our while, that it was achievable, that we could learn, that we could improve. We needed belief that we could get better at making decisions, that we could be more honest with each other, that we, uh, could improve our strength that so we were constantly looking for things that showed that we were making progress that we that we were getting better uh, and uh, and things that showed a progress showed of improvement showed that we you know had the chance of being fast enough any of that stuff was good on the evidence wall because yeah. it was just evidence of we were you know you, you can only win the olympics you know, once every four years. So we couldn't go, well, we won it last week, so we'll do it this week. Yeah. So it had to be all the other stuff around it that we are, you know, we managed to resolve this issue far, far quicker that our score on the rowing machine has got better, that we our forced time curve has changed over the last month. It's not right yet, but it's changed over the last month. Therefore, it can continue to change. Yeah. Anything that was going to give us confidence and optimism that we could continue to improve until we were fast enough. And, and, and uh, yeah, I, we, we sit down as a company and do similar on a, on a 90-day basis with our 90-day plans. And we do it on a, on a monthly and weekly. And even on a daily basis, we have our huddles where we look at our successes and challenges. But I've never heard of it on a session-by-session like that. Is, is that level of detail um, something that you use purely in elite sport? Or do you use that in your business as well? Like after every meeting, you're doing that sort of stuff. So after the majority of meetings... Yeah. Uh, not every meeting, but after the majority of meetings, we will have a three-minute review. Right. Because if three minutes isn't perfect, but if you're going, right, let's do a really good review, it'll take you 10, 15, 20 minutes, and then you're just not going to do it because it's too hard. Yeah. So three minutes, you know, if you've got an hour's meeting with a team of people and you have a meeting you know, every week or whatever, at the end of that meeting, just going, right, last three minutes, let's, let's do 57 minutes rather than 60. Last yeah. three minutes, how do we do? What, what, what do we do well? What caused this meeting to be good, useful? What wasn't so good? And how do we make sure next meeting is a bit better? Yeah. Then presumably over time, each team meeting you have will be a bit better. Yeah. I, I did a kind of earlier this morning, had a um, – planning meeting with um one of my colleagues and a client and after that my colleague and i got together for a few minutes and went okay so you know the prep we did was actually really really useful we we had kind of looked at the right stuff we thought about the right stuff beforehand so the prep was really useful and we went through which bits we had done well and what we hadn't done so well so the next time i've got a prep call like that i want it to be good i want it to be as successful as it can possibly be so why wouldn't i want to know 
what the yeah. good ingredients are. Yeah. No, I, I love that. I've not thought of that. That's something that will definitely be getting uh, introduced to our company. And, you know, as I say, kind of three minutes isn't the perfect time length, but three minutes is kind of manageable, and it's yeah. it's better than nothing. No, I love that. Yeah, brilliant. And and, and on that note, you know, sort of following that theme, um, you talked about your no bullshit rule, and 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 you know, how, how do you ensure you all all of this stuff that you learn and 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 sort of. Um, uh, set up when you're in the in the Olympic um, sort of you know, environment, how, how do you carry that across to being a business owner? Can you can you create that gold medal winning um, you know mindset or whatever you want to call it in sport and use the same stuff in business, or, you, or some of it or so, all of it? Uh, I mean, I guess as I've got a business called Will It Make the Boat Go Fast, and it's what we try and do. <laughs> I'd have to say yes. Uh, I mean, I think I think for us it starts with the goal there's got to be you know doing a performance review regularly whether it's once a day once a week or you know whatever it is is you know could be seen as a bit of a pain in the ass so there's got to be a reason to do it feedback you know for me to pluck up the courage and give you a whole lot of feedback spencer about you know how you've done is you know it's kind of awkward for me it's awkward for you so why should i bother doing it because it's easier just to just you know just not say anything um, so there's got to be a good reason for me to do any of the different strategies that will improve performance. So for me, that starts with the goal. So, right, Spencer, for you and me, what's the thing we've got in common? What's the goal that we want to achieve that we can kind of unite around that then means it's in both of our interest to help each other improve, to help each other get better so that we can achieve this goal? Yeah, and without the goal, you know, what's the point in honesty? What's the point in feedback? It's just hard. Yeah. Whereas if you've got something that is important to everybody within a business, and you can help people work out what's a connection for the business goal and me as an individual, so I've got to be able to buy into the business goal. And once you've got a connection, then there's a reason to give and receive feedback. There's a reason to be a bit disciplined and go i'm going to block out that bullshit it's easier just to listen to my friend moan and whine about this but actually it's not really helping me therefore i'm going to make a decision not to listen yeah so the goal gives the reason and then a business a sports team a whatever organization can start to do performance related stuff yeah yeah that's fascinating it's yeah, we've got a very clear vision of where we want to be in five years that we're all working with. Everyone in the company knows it. They've all got their critical, or we've got the company critical numbers and our KPIs. But just sitting down on a daily basis and saying, you know, have we moved a step closer today? Again, it's it's that level of detail that we're, we're probably not doing. And I, I'm, you know, I don't know about, about other businesses, but it's, it, it is that detail that I think elite sports is very good at. That, that I guess it's different. Uh, you know, the, if, if you're uh, an Olympian, you've got a very clearly defined goal. Okay, the, the, the race day is this day in four years' time. We're working to that. It's, it's a little bit different for businesses. When you know, I suppose you've got to make your own Olympic gold, haven't you? Yes, you've got to make your own Olympic gold. And, and you know, real, realistically doing it every day? Yeah. You know, most people don't. Um, yeah. But doing it... You know, the old annual appraisal where I'll sit you down at the end of the year and go, this is what you did well in January, Spencer, and this is what you did well in March, and I didn't really like what you did in February, and it's now December. I mean, that's a total waste of time. Yeah. Because I've just spent, so you knew something I could have done better, 
and I've spent 11 months watching you do it badly, not giving you a chance of improving. So, you know, doing it every day is kind of tough. Um, but, but doing it, you know, on a, on a weekly basis on a, you know, if, if, you know, salespeople generally have a pretty clear target every single month and pretty clear, uh, numbers that they need to hit in terms of outbound in terms of you know there will be all sorts of clear kpis if you're in finance it's much harder to to work out what those are but actually why shouldn't everybody have you know in a 90-day plan know where they are every 30 days so they know whether they're on plan yeah and and why shouldn't somebody be able to just see somebody in a corridor or you know dial them on teams or zoom or whatever after a meeting and go oh you know what i saw was and i thought you did this bit brilliantly but why don't you think about doing that bit a bit better um you know why why shouldn't that happen yeah uh, I, I, I was going to say it's easy for you to say this i don't i'm, I'm very presumptuous of me I, having been in that olympic environment and learned all of this stuff that most people don't get to experience you you, you, know, you can take that across to business and and you know, when you made the decision to to retire from sport or, or from olympic level sport elite level sport was that a tough decision to make and and once you'd made it did you just transition straight into business and think right i can just use this and and do it over here or, or was that something you've learned over time that you can how, yeah how you transition that it, it's something i learned over time so i um I think so. Some, some, some. It's kind of well documented. A lot of sports people find the transition really hard. Yeah. And I was, I was kind of pretty lucky, really. I, I got married three weeks after the Sydney Olympics, uh, and I had, I kind of had enough by that point. I, before the Sydney Olympics, I didn't want to think about what was going to come next, but I thought that would be it. We crossed the line, and I went right. Enough time, you know, that's, yeah, that's enough. Got married. Three weeks later, went backpacking around India for three months, came back. My wife was pregnant. We were living with my dad, and I had no job. So <laughs> it was a bit of a moment ago, oh, my God, I need the next thing. And I, yeah. it took me five months to get a job uh, with a training company. And kind of sometime after I joined, they kind of said that employing me had been a total experiment. They didn't employ any sports people. You know, they, they just wanted business people. And, you know, the experiment worked. I was there for, you know, three and a half, four years. Um, But what was great for me was there were 16, 17 other trainers like me. Right. And they were really good. And it was clear that they were good and I wasn't very good. So, (laughs) you know, I don't know how you get competitive about, you know, running workshops. But I could just see that their skill level, their ability to interact with people, to engage with people, to get ideas across – was just totally different to mine and so my competitiveness came out going right i want to be as good as them i want to be able to be as skillful as they are and you know then i was delivering that company's um, programs and i started to think about what i'd been doing go actually some of this is pretty similar some of it's pretty different and what's the stuff that i can actually bring on my own Uh, so i was kind of quite lucky the way it all worked out really yeah uh, that's great. It, 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 we, we've tried something similar-ish, not not to the same level, but we've got a guy. Uh, in fact, you probably know him. I think from you, you canoe now, don't you? And uh, yeah. you know, you, I don't know if you know Keith Moore. He he canoes up. Yeah, I know Keith. Yeah. So so he he went to the World Championships in canoeing and was very very successful. Yeah, he's fast. He's, he's very fast. He's very fast. Yeah. Um. But but he when he was coming to the end of his career, his, his elite canoeing career. 
um, we, we did exactly the same. And he's been working with us now for uh, about a year, a year and a half, I guess. And, and it was, we wanted to learn from him about what you're doing in elite sport. And he wanted to come and learn how to work in business. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, a, I think more businesses should be doing that because there's so much that you can learn from, you know, not just from other you know, disciplines, but other industries and, you know, having people in, from a different environment coming in and looking at it, looking at what you're doing differently is, is just a great way to learn, I think. Yeah, I think it's really useful. And, and again, that's one of the things I really enjoy about my job is we work with lots of different organizations. So we see a bit about you know, how lots of different industries work and the amount of stuff we're able to take, oh, you know, an industry, this industry approaches it like that or like that. Yeah. And, and just getting different perspectives is, is great. And sport is great for some you know, that there are great links in some areas between business and sport, and then some of the links don't work at all. And yeah. it's, you know, it's taken me a bit of time to work out what's actually the useful stuff. And there's yeah. a whole lot of stuff that uh, that um, sport needs to learn from business, frankly. Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, whatever the environment, we should be looking to see how much we can learn from each other. Yeah. I, I saw Sir Clive Woodward talk last year, and he was saying when he was England uh, manager, he used to get a lot of different industries asked to come and watch them train and he said you can come at, only on the condition you point out one thing we could do better um and and you know it's that again it's that mindset isn't it of looking at yeah. what, you might not implement it but but at least it gives you it starts you thinking about what you could do better yeah um you, as, as someone like yourself that's particularly goal orientated um what, what what if any situations do you think there are um, when goals aren't the right approach. So I, I was doing a podcast with Will Champion from Coldplay uh, a few weeks back, and he, we were talking about creativity. And I was asking him, you know, how, how do you measure success in, in a band? And, you know, do you say that we want to be at number one for X amount of weeks or sell out X amount of stadiums? And he was just saying, you know, with creativity, you can't measure it in that same way. You've just got to be very proud and passionate about what you're doing and know that it's the best you can do. You know, uh, do you have any ways of measuring that sort of success at all? So I think that um, – so, so one of my colleagues, actually, a, 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 a woman called uh, Dr. Kath Bishop, she's, she's actually yep. bringing out a book uh, about, about the long win and the – kind of short-term win-at-all-cost thing, how useful is that, or are there different ways of approaching winning? And I think her kind of thinking around it is really interesting. I think that I've got one a guy I used to work with who talks about having a, a smileometer, And right. his, one of his goals is to enjoy each day, to be able to get yeah. through the day kind of happy and having having had a good day, being able to just, you know, get home, close the front door or whatever, turn the light out in bed and just go, what a... You know, I've had a lovely day, and yeah. and you know, and he talks about a smileometer. You know how you know where's the needle when he goes to bed? Has it, you know, has he has he had all sorts of you know? Has he lost his temper? Has he got frustrated? Is he bored? You know, is it down at a three? Is it up at a ten? Yeah. And so I think there are all sorts of different goals we can have. An Olympic gold medal, you measure at a certain time, in a certain place, in a, on a certain year. Business goals, we tend to measure every quarter, every six months, every year, five-year plans, whatever it is. But there's also stuff about, you know, I want to be a good husband and a good father. I've got, yeah. you know, family goals around that. And I've got an idea of what that looks like. And, you know, my measures aren't perfect. In fact, they're yeah. far, far from being perfect. But I've just got an idea of what being a good husband looks like. And yeah. and just because I can't measure it perfectly doesn't mean it's not a worthwhile goal. Yeah. And, and I guess at least if you're thinking about it, you're, you're, you're actively trying to improve all the time. So I'm trying to make decisions 
based on the impact it'll have on my wife and my family. Yeah. And, you know, I get to bed some evenings and go, oh, I really screwed that one up. I didn't, I made the wrong decision there. I didn't do that very well. And I'll try yeah. and make a better decision the next day. Yeah. And so can I measure that perfectly? Is it a perfect goal? No, but I still think it's, it's worth having. Yeah. And if, even if you've got a simple goal of just, you know, I want to have a good day, it might just change your behaviors as you go through the day rather than getting frustrated by the journey into work or, you know, not the money was traveling to work anymore, <laughs> but frustrated by certain things. Can you just kind of, you know, raise your eyebrows, look at it and go fascinating, yeah. you know, rather than feeling frustration, you go just go huh, interesting and have a little chuckle or can we just look at things differently in order to help us achieve what we want? So yeah, you know, I talk about, you know measurable goals but that doesn't mean that the you know there shouldn't be other sorts of goals out there and i i, I think there definitely should be yeah we, we we i remember probably five years ago or something like that now we we'd had a really good year financially as a business but at the end of it me and my business partner sort of sat down and we we're like bloody hell that was hard work this year wasn't it i didn't enjoy that as much as i thought we would and 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 so we looked at how we could try and measure it and one of the things we put in place was we said well let's try and get on the times best place to work list because if we're on there we must be doing something right we must be having some fun and 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 so we put that in place and we're working towards that and um but we've we've sort of um we we stole the 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 gambling uh, phrase um recently and and you know when the fun stops stop and, and she said you yeah, at the end of the day if we're not having fun we shouldn't be doing it and it's a bit like you know, will it make the boat go faster if, we, if we're not doing if we're not having fun let's not do that now and yeah you're right you can't put a score out of 10 on it necessarily and measure it on a daily basis but it, it makes you think about it and then you start you know, making it, decisions based on that yeah if at the end of the week or at the end of a month you know maybe you know because we're gonna have good days and bad days but if at the end yeah. of the month you're going you know across a business on a scale of you know one to ten have you had fun you know if you're you know kind of on balance you know people give a subjective measure and if you know we're saying eight and somebody else is saying three you go oh, that's interesting why is that yeah if everyone's saying eight you go oh why is that if everyone's so you know just putting some sort of arbitrary measure to promote a conversation so you can discuss yeah. what you need to do a bit better next time i think is i think it's totally fine and, and then it goes back to what you were talking about earlier measuring it uh, sorry reviewing it and you know, what yeah. worked well what didn't work well and yeah yeah no i like, I like yeah. that a lot this has been absolutely fascinating I, I could talk to you all day and listen listen to you all day i should say really um thank you so much for coming on i appreciate it uh, especially at the moment because i know you're on holiday in Italy. So thank you very much. It's been a pleasure speaking to you and, and hearing about your journey. It's been great talking to you, Spencer. Thank you very much for interviewing uh, me and uh, inviting me on. And I hope that hope there are some useful messages in there that people can enjoy. Uh, absolutely. Tons of them. Absolutely. Yeah. Never mind the listeners. I, you know, I've taken a whole load of that out, out of that, but I'll be implementing in the team. But I'm sure all of our listeners will take equally as much. And and, and thank you to them for tuning in this week. And, and we hope you'll join us next week for another uh, EMG Gold podcast. Thank you very much and, and take care.